It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, Redcasters, be sure to subscribe to our channel and ring the bell to be notified about our latest videos. Go Big Red. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, Matt's Rule Edition. Yeah. Second episode of this, Second episode, just sort of an impromptu kind of deal. I mean, we were planning on drinking. That's not unplanned. (laughs) It was just this basketball win that kind of surprised everybody. So, hey, red beers up. Red beers are up. Drinking out of my Hill Varsity Club glass here. Uh, You know, we have a victory here tonight to talk about. Well, first. Yeah. Well, sorry. But, yes. An away game, an underdog victory, up five at half, up the entire second half. I mean, I was I was pretty impressed with the team. I've I've been impressed with the team with a lot of the games I've watched this year, you know. But it's just one of those things. It's like, when do I get excited? Like, when do I really kind of? But it might not be that kind of year. But I do appreciate the the, the level and the effort I've seen every game. I feel like I've seen a lot of effort defensively. Uh, sometimes shots are falling, sometimes they're not. But man, when they do, we're fun to watch. Well, what did Beller write there? Our buddy Beller, that's a, you know, he's a he's a big time Husker basketball fan. He's been a, a critic, as so have we, by the way, of of uh, Hoiberg. But even tonight, you know, he gave some some credit there. I don't know. You said he, a little he earlier. Said, he, he mentioned the coaching. He said it's just a really good uh, credit where credit is due. That was one hell of a coaching job, and that's from Beller, and that is high praise from him because he has been a little bit critical of Fed, and for good reasons. We've talked about him with, with Sip before about him. He's not a casual fan. He's a hardcore Husker basketball fan. So, yeah. Um, I hope it, I hope Fred does turn it around for those guys because I don't want to go through a coaching change. I don't think I, – I think ideally we wouldn't have a coaching change and Fred could figure this out. But Well, we said all along you got to get to postseason this season. That was, that was important to yeah. us. And right now we're 13 and 14. A year ago we were 10 and 22. So we already have three more wins than well, a year ago. 13 and 14, you got to get to at least – Above 500 to, to get to the NIT, which to me is that's the, the bare minimum of, of showing that progress. And now we're coming home for two straight games mm-hmm. Sunday against Maryland and then the cellar dweller in Minnesota, who we've already beaten on the road. Yeah. They come here, you know, you hate to say these are must win games, but man, they're kind of they're well, must win games. You got to get above 500. And what a what an opportunity all no of a sudden. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Three games at home after this kind of a surprise victory that is a lot of momentum and it'd be nice to see us actually ride a little bit away from momentum we've been able to do that in basketball a couple times um this would be a good time to do it it's funny that so is the nit you have to be over 500 yeah basically just you have to have a so that's like bowl eligibility correct for basketball okay well that's fair i mean they haven't been that way for i don't know in fred's entire time the entire time the fred's been here uh we haven't been there so he always been under 500 yeah and and by quite a bit I mean that's yeah. that's the, the thing, um, and I mentioned we were ten and twenty two last year, and that was finishing the season strong. <laughs> we won like three of our last four games, yeah. you know, w- winning a couple games on the road, like we did against Wisconsin and uh, everything. So I mean, that's where they're at right now. You really want to talk about a turnaround? Uh, I was in Kansas City over the weekend, mm-hmm. 
uh, with the family and we were doing the Great Wolf Lodge thing, but nice. I was sitting in the hotel room watching on my phone the game against uh, Wisconsin at home, and we were down 17 points in the second half. Wow. So to think about where we were at at that moment, you know, with about 15 minutes left in the second half, to be down 17 points – I mean, things are looking bleak. That's a, that's a that's, that's a, a bad looking huge deficit. You lose that game, and now you go on the road to, to Rutgers and and don't play well tonight. And yeah. you know you can see where things could could have gone downhill. And For instead, sure. they turned it around, take it to overtime, win by double digits at, against Wisconsin, and then to, to win tonight the way they did. This is really impressive. I, if nothing else, Husker fans, Nebraska ball fans. Show up yeah. on Sunday. You right. have been showing up. I don't need to tell you to. You right. have been showing up. You did against Penn State. You did against Wisconsin, these weekend home games. But, man, let's show up. Let's fill up that place, uh, fill up the, the bank uh, for these next two games and, and get two more wins, and let's get above 500. That would be that would be wonderful. And it, it, that place is so different when the fans are really going, and it really provides an element for that team, I think, that can kind of push it beyond maybe what it's capable of. But we'll see. I, it, it, the NIT would be great. That would be, a to me – the way the season kind of started off and the little lulls in between, I just thought, well, probably probably more of the same. Ain't going to get much better. But it, it really has changed. It really has changed. So fingers crossed. I'm hopeful for it. I wouldn't mind to make a little, little run this time of year. Mm-hmm. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, uh, hey, I, we weren't planning on doing this, but let's uh, throw up what the next couple sure, of sure. Uh, shows are going to be here. Tomorrow night, we do have Adam McClintock on. Uh, co-founder of Matrix Analytical, college football consultant to head coaches, ADs, football ops personnel. You can find him on Twitter at CFB underscore professor. And uh, also a week from tomorrow, Wednesday, February 22nd at 8 o'clock, we'll have Cody Glenn on, former black shirt and IBAC, Texas high school football coach. He was oh, uh, he was in an article talking about uh, Dr. Susan Elsa, who came oh. down there and was speaking. Okay. So, uh, And he's also your mother's favorite player, according to his Twitter account. So uh, <laughs> we'll have him on uh, fan form next week. And then, uh, of course, as usual, we we have our, our friends at Smack and Smooch. They have created a new Redcast store. You can use this. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah, it's great. You can use this QR code, and it'll take you to the website. Uh, you can find them at Smack and Smooch as well. But we have the links on our on our social media site. And really, Redcasters, we'd love it. Go out, you know, purchase some of this this merch. We don't make much off it. it what it is really for us is I, I just love seeing the Redcast gear out there. We've yeah, given away cool. a bunch of it with the different mm-hmm. you know giveaways that we've done, and it's so cool. And I've seen people walking around and wearing oh, the hats cool. and shirts. That is cool. Yeah it's, yeah, it's super cool. So, anyways, let's get back to what we're talking about, Mac. And yeah. I know we, we were talking about doing a, a match rule at some point, anyways. And tonight just turned out to be perfect for it. Is you know let's let's talk a little football here, off season, how it's going, what you're thinking, and I want to start with something kind of a little theme I, I've had in my head, and it is it's the little things. Versus the basics. Okay. Now, under Coach Frost, mm-hmm. there's a lot of times that we were, we lost a bunch of games, a bunch of one-score games, mm-hmm. the most of any team in the country the last four years without really a close second. Historic. Yes. And each time we'd lose, 
there were little things, yep. <clears throat> little things. And right. I say that in quotation marks, little things like special teams, little things like a, <laughs> like a, you know, turnovers, right. uh, you know, penalties and, and pre-snap penalties yep. and things that just, they would kill us at times. Mm-hmm. Right. And, but they were little things. Missing field goals. Yeah. Missing yeah. field goals. Right. And we were told they were little things. Right. And this is always little. <laughs> and they're always little until, yeah, until they come up and bite you. Then I was reading, I think it might've been tunnel talk or it was, so, but it, I think it was tunnel talk last week. And okay. there was an article or they talked about uh, Coach Rule recruiting in Bellevue. And he was at Bellevue West. Mm-hmm. And the Bellevue West head coach, uh, his wife, is a teacher at Bellevue East. Okay. Okay. So, anyways, uh, Rule and a couple of the guys on his staff were at Bellevue West. They were meeting with the Bellevue West coach. Okay. And the Bellevue West coach gives them some cookies from his wife <laughs> and says, hey, my wife, she works at Bellevue East. She made these cookies. Well, anyways, they, they – this staff doesn't just go to one school and that's it. And of course right. they were going to, they were already planning to go to Bellevue East to meet with those coaches. But when they go to Bellevue East, the uh, Matt rule finds the, the wife, she's oh, teaching wow. a class, walks into the class to thank her for making them. Of course, you know, that creates a big scene. Sure, sure. You know, everyone wants to see the head coach, but they, the way that what they quoted it or the way they said it on tunnel talk was that this, the little things that he did, he did the little things. That's a little thing. Yep. And, and I would agree a little thing. Sure. It's a nice touch. He didn't have to do it, but right. it's just being a good person. Your mom raises you a right. certain way. Go and say, mm-hmm. go and say thank Appreciate you when someone it, yeah. does something. That's a little thing. And a little thing to me isn't jumping off sides or mm. missing at field goals. A little thing is doing those. Right. And then the basics and right. being good at the basics are the things that the staff, if they're worth what we're going to be paying them, yeah. is what they're going to be getting us to do here in spring ball and so on is, is we're going to be good at all those basics. Of all football. the basics. Yeah. Yeah. Hammer down all the, because it really has been the basics that have tripped us up. It, you know, it wasn't like complicated shifts that we could never get right, or we didn't know the playbook or anything like that. It was sometimes legal formation. Sometimes a guy would jump offside. Sometimes a guy didn't know the snap count. You know, it just it, kind of an endless array of stupid things. And but they were all basics. You can call them little things. You can call them basics. But you're right. It's they were basic fundamental football it's the it's the stuff that you don't have to worry about if you're taking care of what you should be taking care of throughout the week throughout fall camp and and beyond you know so we don't we, we haven't seen anything from this team yet we've seen mm-hmm. a few workout videos nothing crazy um and i'm really regardless of all the momentum and all the the goodwill i have towards the staff i still will not get that excited over like workout videos they just to me that's the most it's just so hard to judge what's actually going on. Does it yeah. look cool? Yeah. Do they look bigger? Yeah. I mean, but they look – that's happened every single year I've ever watched those. So <clears> – and they're doing front squats now. Who knew? You know? <laughs> but uh, but that's, that's okay. Um, it does look like they're working hard. That's what that's – what, all you can do right now is kind of evaluate how hard they're working right now. It seems as though they're working hard right now. Uh, spring ball is really not that far away. No, it really isn't. You know, we'll, we'll get started up with that before too long. And it'll be really, I'll be really interested to see what kind of access the media gets and, and like what kind of images they, they put out to see. Cause I, I would like to see some of those freshmen to see what they're looking like, like a Gabe Irving to see what he's looking like coming in and the line, like, does the line look any different? Cause I felt like that was something going into last year or something I saw a lot last year was just a lot of lack of flexibility and explosion in the line. Maybe you could see that a little bit more. I don't know. But but we're in that time of year where this this is when you put the hand in the barn kind of deal. You know, this is where you get everything ready for the season. So this is important time. Everybody knows that, but 
it just doesn't seem like it's taken this coaching staff very long to to get in their rhythm, to get in their flow, to have this stuff going. It, that uh, it feels like you know he had seventy days to prepare for this, or mm-hmm. you know however long after he got fired from from Carolina, True. he had quite a while to prepare and have a lot of conversations with Trev. So by the time he really took off, I mean it was like he was already running, yeah. had good ideas on. And it wasn't like everything went perfect for him. I, I you knew he thought he was probably getting Pete's at that time. Yeah. Probably thought Mickey Joseph would be part of the staff. I mean, there are probably mm-hmm. things he thought were going to be there that ended up not being there. So it's not like he's hit, you know, had every right. bit of fortune along the way either, right. but yet he's been able to to pivot so quickly. Yep. And he's just, you know, he kind of has a Rolodex of, you know, I know which guys I want. I know how I want to build the, the the roster up. Yep. Um, you know, he had a pretty good idea what the roster I think was looking like even as he came in here. He had some time to yep. to evaluate that and watch some games come to Lincoln for a weekend, a home weekend with his family. I mean, all those things. I mean, he was about as prepared as a coach is ever going to be for taking over a, a change like that. You, you wonder how, who he's really relying on as a, as a gauge for the, the, the team last year's team. As a, as a, I guess what I'm trying to say is the guy's coming back. We still have Raiola as a coach, but that's a, that's really the only one. So like, I wonder if he's giving him any guidance on what kind of players they are, or is it complete clean slate kind of deal? Like we're not last year. Doesn't matter one little bit. We don't know what you were being asked to do. We don't know, you know, enough about that situation to judge you on it. But I, I'd just be really curious if, if there's guys that played a significant amount last year for us, if they don't, if they find, if we find their roles diminishing, you know, like, mm-hmm. and see if, if other guys emerge, like, just throwing a name out like a no pull of gates, you know. I'm not saying I don't. You just haven't heard of that sure. guy for the longest, or or position changes with guys, yeah. or new positions. I mean, the fullback as an example is a position yeah. that that didn't exist a year ago, and now it's a spot that somebody could find their way into. Um, there was a, an interesting article this weekend I read, <clears throat> and it was in the the World Herald and the Journal Star and everything. I, I guess those are all <laughs> merged together now, but it was about in state recruiting, and it's a question. And I found so many prior segments that we've done on this topic, mm-hmm. and I and I posted them on Sunday, and it was about you know is there more talent in Nebraska? And they even talked with Steve Warren in it, Warren yeah. Academy, and I'm like, we had Warren on last mm-hmm. summer, and we brought this question up. Mm-hmm. Um, talked to uh, Glenn Snodgrass, head football coach at York, whose son, uh, you know, Garrett's on the team, sure. uh, and could be one of those guys that I could see Garrett if he doesn't turn out to be a linebacker this year you know i've kind of said before i have no idea if they're even projecting him here but i could see him fall into a fullback type of role or doing something like that who knows he's a good size for a fullback really could be but what's interesting to me is i don't see it as being that there's just more talent now and i've never seen it that way at years from year to year it fluctuates yeah but the last couple of seasons yeah we've had these bigger numbers but the reality is is that what is in that article is that these kids are getting more opportunities now with huddle mm-hmm. and to get their, their names out there. I mean, that Carter Nelson from Ainsworth is a big time recruit right now. And he's playing eight man ball up in, in yeah. Ainsworth. That doesn't exist 15 and 10 years ago, even though there might've been players of somewhat similar, you know, uh, uh, ability. I'm not saying everyone, I'm not saying that he's not an elite athlete mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that there's never been athletes before that, that have played that could have played that, that well either, you know, sure. but, um, but, your ability to get out and be noticed, to go and be a part of camps, yep. to be a part of development uh, groups like what the the Warren Academy does, yep. that makes a difference now. And and now that the, you know the whatever the, the cat's out of the bag or whatever, it, you know coaches have 
from out of state have come here enough times now yeah. and they've built up relationships. They're not just going to start leaving the no. talents here. So I don't see it going anywhere. And this is a good thing for Nebraska. Sure. I, I'll argue it's a good thing, even though we're going to have more competition with other teams coming in here, do your job. And, mm-hmm. and I know coach rule is going to do that. I know he is do your job and we should get the guys that we from here that we want. Oh, hundred percent. And, you're right. I think it fluctuates from year to year. I do feel like there's lately been a, a kind of an increase in terms of like D1 talent. But again, you, you bring up a good point with with huddle and all the camps you can do. There's just a lot of opportunity to get get out there and be evaluated. And falling through the cracks anymore almost has to be intentional. Like for you to fall through the cracks means you're almost intentionally skipping camps, intentionally uh, skipping places to go get evaluated. It could be a money thing, but I, I don't know. It just – I feel like that's hard to do. One thing I did, I really like what Rule has talked about is, and I think this could separate Nebraska going forward, is to really watch and, and evaluate senior film on guys. Mm-hmm. Because the recruiting process starts up so early anymore. You're talking sophomores, and they, they almost are committed to their school by their junior year. And then by the time – so all these schools fill up with, with sophomores and junior commits, and then if a guy pops off his senior year – He's the fall through the crack guy. Yeah. You know, he's the guy that ends up going to, you know, Northern Illinois or something and ends up being an All-American. And and I always thought that was something Nebraska was really good at, was getting those guys that are they have potential, they're going to grow, they just haven't hit it yet. You know, a lot of us hit our, our growth spurts at different times. And it's just that if you're a D1 athlete, it's just really unfortunate if you don't hit it until your senior year the way things are going nowadays. But but if you're really good at evaluating and you trust mm-hmm. your staff to do that, that's that's <clears throat> a niche we could slip into there while still recruiting at a high level otherwise. And obviously the main thing is developing these guys into a system that we, an identity that we've all agreed on. And I feel like that's one of probably rule strengths. If we can start doing that, that's how we challenge teams that will never out recruit. You know, we're never going to out recruit Ohio state, even on our own conference. We'll never out recruit Ohio state or Michigan, you know, Penn state will probably be close, but but what we could do is get really good at developing those guys that are everybody's kind of laid on because they filled their classes up with four stars and five stars. And by the time they're contributing to the team, not only are they physically ready to do it, but they've been in the system so long that they're mentally capable and ready to go. I think, I, you know, if I if I project what Nebraska football look, will look like in the next five years, and I, if I'm being as optimistic as I can, that's kind of how I think it's going to end up going. You will get some high-level recruits for sure, and we'll get some transfer portal guys for sure. But it'll be like it'll be that late kind of signee at the end of the year. Had a good senior year, and those guys pop off. I think those guys will be the ones that were like, "That's the separator for Nebraska." You know, we're like a Jared Tomich, somebody like that that you know kind of took a little while to get up there. But that's how it used to be. You didn't really even contribute to your junior or senior year back in the day. And nowadays, it's like if you're not on the field by the time you're a sophomore. You're almost bust. Like you're talking about Fedoni, like it's a make or break year for him. That's kind of crazy to me. Yeah, know? he's been there two years and, and been injured. Right. Both of them. You, you know, that's that's the thing with uh, with the recruiting. It's changing so much that, like, I don't even know what it means to say that we can or can't recruit like in Ohio State because recruiting numbers are different now. You, yeah. if we go out and get fifteen or twenty guys tops in a class, because you're going to fill another ten spots with with. Uh, you know, transfer portal guys, if that's what you're doing. Now, I don't know. 
I think at some point that's going to normalize itself a little bit. We had a really big transfer yeah. portal year a year ago when it was kind of a make or break year for Frost. And then this year, when you're having a transition year, some of that makes sense. But ideally, and I guess I haven't dug deep into like looking at like Alabama's numbers or Georgia's mm-hmm. numbers. How big are they in the transfer portal? You know, are they going out and getting 10 guys a year or are they cherry picking just two or three? And if you're really doing well, how big of a, of the portal is what you what you do mm-hmm. from an incoming? If you're doing well, you're going to lose some kids because, sure. I mean, see, see what we've done with Georgia. We've taken right. three of their guys. Right. You're not playing at those yeah. schools. so And not three, like, three-star development <clears throat> players. We're yeah. taking high-level guys that they recruited that just, for whatever reason, haven't made it to the field in a significant time. So you're right. That's – I don't know. The sport needs to chill out for a little while. You know, yeah. like, there's been so much change. NIL, the transfer portal, coach, conference realignments and all that stuff, you know, playoff expansion. It's like, what is normal? I don't even know. Every year, like, Bill Bush was talking about how – I think it was on sipping sipping Jake, but you know it used to be there was about maybe I don't know if he said two or five percent change every year in college football. It was like you know just this much change. Maybe it was a kickoff rule, or maybe you know you whatever, just a couple rule changes and this and that. And now, like these last couple of years, it's been like eighty percent change. There's yeah. been so much, so it's hard to know what's normal. It's hard to know like how you're going to recruit going forward because I you know at some point there's going to be some kind of Sorry. There's going to be some kind of restrict. I would imagine some kind of restriction on the transfer portal. There's got to be some kind of normalization of the NIL or if the schools are going to take it in house, you just don't know yet. So it's still wild, wild West. And I think for what we're doing right now, I'm glad we got a guy like rule in here who seems to be mobile. He seems to be able to kind of to move and shake with this and, and try to make the best out of it. And that's kind of why I think he was an important important hire for us versus like I'm not trying to throw out because <laughs> there's a lot of comparison with Deion Sanders and everything <laughs> like that. But <clears throat> Deion's never built a program to this level. I know he went to Jackson State and did what he he did there and that was very impressive. I got nothing against Prime. But I just feel like he I don't know that he does he knows enough to know what he doesn't know yet. And I think Rule kind of does. I I just but what the hell do I know? You know, yeah. <laughs> I could definitely be wrong, but it just seems like I see Dion on TV a lot. I see Dion with his tweets a lot. I don't, I don't necessarily see him in pictures in the, in living rooms with him a lot. And I'm not searching e- any of that stuff. I'm not searching Dion at all. But w- but it comes up on my feed, and when I see him, it's like interview on with Rich Eisen or something like that, or on ESPN. And I'm that makes sense. He's a celebrity. Use a celebrity recruit, but but Nick Saban's a celebrity. You know, Nick Saban's yeah. a great recruiter, but he's still out there grinding. There's a lot of celebrities in, in the big boy college football. Dion's not the only one. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes people act like he's the only, like, superstar coach out there. I'm like, well, he isn't. He's not even close. So, Well, and when you take on a program like Nebraska, you take on everything that comes with it. Sure. And that is, you know, in, in the case of Rule, Coach Rule, last week that means on Thursday night he and Trev are in Phoenix uh, at a big NIL event with the big booster. Sure. And – you know, you're he's traveled all across the state because that's important to the fans in the yeah. state is that that you you do make some mm-hmm. FaceTime around there. Um, you know, he's sent his coaches around the state. Um, I'm interested to see what's going to happen at the coaches clinic here in the yeah. spring. Um, <clears throat> and I've talked about the, the coaches clinic many, many, many times. Mm-hmm. Mac, you and I went to clinics from Solich all the way to, to the Frost era. Yeah. <clears throat> and we watched it progressively lose mm-hmm. steam. We lost it lost numbers. 
less and less of the high school and the regional coaches were coming to it as we went from coaching staff to coaching staff. And I, I'm not even pointing a finger at any one person and said it's your fault or your fault. It has nothing to do with that. It's just there was a lot of changes. And when we first started going there, which, again, was the last year of Solich, it was when they, they brought uh, uh, Pelini yeah. as the defense coordinator. That was still kind of old school. There were coaches that had been around for, yeah. for quite a while. And uh, and the high school coaches knew the co- the college coaches. It was kind of the old shake a hand and it really you know, keep keep an eye on this freshman kid that we have, and he's he might be good in a couple of years. That yep. kind of thing, and then it just falls off with relationships falling off as we went through right. all these staffs. Yep. And you know, look, those I'm not naive to think that the relationships all of a sudden are built just because Ed Foley no. has driven around, but but he's made some great inroads, and the staff is making great inroads, and they're making the effort that I think everyone here can right. appreciate. And what I would like to see on the on the the, the vice versa end mm-hmm. of this, I would love to see those those high school coaches and the regional coaches make that same effort, show that same you know respect mm-hmm. back. And I'd love to see a, a gigantic coaches clinic. That'd be good. I, I think I think it's important. Um, you know, th- those relationships go both ways. I'd, I'd just love to see it. I'd love to see a a, a record crowd, and really to show that you know it's a, it's appreciated by by the staffs all around here that, mm-hmm. you know, you guys have come out to see yeah. us. We're, we're coming out here to support and see you. Well, and they should do that. And I, and I think they probably will. Yeah. I, I don't think there's any, like, you know, when you get the new staff in the hard feelings kind of go away a little bit, you know, cause it's, it's a new AD, it's a mm-hmm. new staff. If you were pissed off at Frost for not coming to your, to your, your campus, well, he's gone. So if you get, if you're seeing the guys now really reaching out on a high level, and trying to get back to you, you know, trying to, you know, have open communication lines and and really making the state a focus of the state's program. Yeah. Um, I think the high school uh, coaches will, will respond really well to that. And so, I mean, Susan Nelson's job. Mm-hmm. Is, she, is she the liaison? Is she going to be the liaison? She's the that? chief of staff. Okay. And so, and, and you know, it's it's been written quite a bit about how, Right now, the staff at Nebraska, since Rule got hired, we have the largest staff or tied for the second largest, I think, with Michigan at like 39 people. Nice. And so we've had like chief of staffs or director of football ops sure. in the past. I think we just we have a few more now because yeah. he um, coach rule has a, a like a director of player personnel and a, you know kind of an, an operations guy. But then Susan Nelson with chief of staff is kind of a different role. And mm-hmm. so um, actually, we're, I, we've it been a little bit of talks with, with Susan and a couple of other people. I, I'd love to have a couple of them on to the, to the Redcast, and yes, it would be me. great to kind of get some information, a little more info on, you know, what is their role mm-hmm. specifically or, you know, what where are the areas that they're focusing on? But, I mean, she – what I love about what she brings, mm-hmm. same thing that Bob Wager as the tight ends coach who mm-hmm. comes from Arlington High – you know, a high school in Arlington, Martin, I think, where we got two players <laughs> from <laughs> this recruiting class, and also where he um, – he was a longtime coach. Right. Same thing that Joey McGuire mm-hmm. was when he brought him out of high school coaching up to Baylor, and now mm-hmm. he's the head coach of Texas Tech. Now we have his son Garrett coaching mm-hmm. wide receivers. And there are different ways. Like if you want to rule Texas, and I don't mean rule, uh, <laughs> if, but if you want to, if you want to get into a certain area, uh, whatever it is, the last staff it was Georgia and Florida because we had all these southeast sure. connections, sure. right? Well, the same thing could have been said. Let's go down to Texas. Let's get a couple of assistant coaches from some yeah. school, blah, blah, blah. They've taken a different approach. I mean, to go and get a high school coach and pull him out. Yeah. Garrett, 
obviously recently playing there in Baylor. Yeah. And then Susan Elsa, and I'm, I'm going to screw up the, the group. It was like, you know, the inner Texas league of football or whatever, but she basically, she was like the CEO of this group of like all that has connections to all the right. schools, to sounded, all the head coaches. It sounded like a massive, it's job. a completely different approach than just saying, let's just go get, um, you know, kind of a hotshot assistant coach right. down there at Texas tech or at, yeah. at TCU or something that, you know, that is going to get us Texas. It, this is a complete, we, we actually kind of went with, we penetrated inside the, the high school ranks of, of Texas to go and get people kind of out of it that, yeah. that really have a lot of connections and we'll see what happens with it. You know, it, it, you know, there were some very immediate wins. The, yeah. the, the one kid who was the, the Iowa uh, legacy that picked us, you know, oh, yeah. um, and of course I'm, I'm already blanking on the name, but, but you know, it, we, to go down there right away, show a little bit of success, but now it's about building the relationships and seeing right. what happens, you know, in year two and year three down there. I think, you know, we go back to the recruiting classes that we said that they might be smaller in the future because mm-hmm. you're making room in different ways with yeah. transfers and all that. Let's say a, a normal class is 20 guys, mm-hmm. 22. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, this last year, Nebraska got eight kids from the state of Nebraska. And that's including that we didn't get two kids that went to Iowa State. One mm-hmm. of them was Bramer, longtime uh, tight mm-hmm. end uh, recruit. Oh, yeah. We didn't even offer until Coach Rule got here. Uh, Flores, the quarterback yep. at Gretna, who goes to Oklahoma State, and then you had McIntyre from uh, Fremont Bergen going to Oklahoma. So that's wow. another. That's not like four more guys that kind of went to just you know yeah. FCS schools. Right. That's four more Power Five guys on top of the yeah. eight that we got. That's twelve in state, and I don't necessarily see that slow down. So if Nebraska can do the best that it can do in state, if we can get eight, I mean, geez, th- this seems like a crazy thing to say, but like if we can get eight or nine guys a year from in state, that is that does sound like a crazy high number though. But it, but I think we already have I think seven offered know, already to next year. I know, and that's that's why to me I feel like this we're currently on just a little bit of an uptake uptick on on talent, and that kind of makes sense because the. The '90s players that were really good for us are now old enough that their kids are coming of age. I mean, that's really <laughs> how I think of it. I'm like, all their kids that are still around here are starting to become available. And it's, yeah. I, you know, ESPN. They had that one show, uh, you know, around the horn or whatever, and they have somebody that corrects the wrongs that that the guys say oh, yeah, during yeah. it. So I want to thank a couple of our people here, uh, Philly Knack, uh saying uh, it's Ismael Smith Flores, and yes, I knew it was like a, a a dash name. So that was the the recruit, the legacy from Iowa, and then Jason Stinger. Uh, I think it's called the Unified Inter- Interscholastic League, the UIL, and that's, Damn, that's Jason coming out hot, nice. And that's that's awesome. I mean, that's first off, that's awesome. Thank you for for watching. Oh, he could have just made that up, and we're just repeating it. Either it way, sounds, I don't care. That sounds right. That sounds right to me. That does sound we're right. going with it. And we appreciate. Tweet that. it. <laughs> Send it. Um, and then also, uh, here's a question from Brian: What do you think of the new wide receiver coach? I mean, obviously, a lot of the initial focus. He's young, you know. He's a young guy, but uh, he is young. He, he's young, and he got to he speak for the first he time. Not, he's not one of those guys that you'd be surprised to find out how young he is. You know? Yeah. Would you believe me if I told you that kid was only twenty-two? Yeah. 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 I, I would believe you if you told me that kid was sixteen. <laughs> I would. That's not to. That's not to degrade any of his coaching ability. Uh, we can't just cruise on by the fact that this young man is young. He said honey buns and Pop-Tarts. <laughs> he said, come to my office and get honey buns and, and Pop-Tarts. And I, it's adorable, you know, it's kind of, but <laughs> listen, we have no room to talk about who the coach is hired right now. Yeah. We, we, we've been terrible. 
I hope I hope he does just fine. I'm rooting for him. I don't care. I really don't care that he's young, but I'm not going to be one of those guys. Well, he ain't that young. No, he's young. He's, yeah, he's young. What did Coach Rule say on busting with the boys when he was he was like, you know, oh, he's like people gave him some crap yeah. about you know who. who and part of me is like, you you guys hired me here because you're losing. What do you care what I'm hiring? I'm like, yeah, I yeah. agree. And, and that part is true, but and it and it but is. But when I heard him talk, I thought, okay, maybe he's going to sound kind of old, and he's he's young. He's young. He's really young. Don't know what to think about him yet. I don't know what to think about him as a recruiter. I don't know if you give him credit yet for like if we get is Xavier Betts. Is there some limbo with him now? I heard he didn't report, and but I don't know if that was an old report or not. I and, haven't heard anything yet. I mean, one way or the other. So, well, our wide receiver room is humongous, and. Um, We'll see how he does with it. They were very good last year. The wide receivers were very good last year. So he's got a big job. He really does. I mean, they could maintain, not get any better, and I would be pleased with the wide receiver play this year if it was similar to last year. Um, I, I think one one part of this is making sure that we're putting the right amount of – or that Coach Rule is putting the right amount of responsibilities on the coaches, right? Right. So to your point, I'm not – yeah, Garrett McGuire is young. Yep. Um and if he's asked to to call plays and and you know match wits with the defensive coordinators of the of the Big Ten, I would say that we probably have, have made a it's asking a, a lot. We've made an error, yeah. right? But we're not asking that either. No. And that's what, true. What he did with his staff, which I think was really good, is you know he's he's a manager of coaches, so he's mm-hmm. coaching his coaches, mm-hmm. and then he brings in two defense or two coordinators. One of them, Satterfield, that's been with him since the early 2000s. Right. So, I mean, he speaks like – it's like Coach Rule up there talking mm-hmm. when, when Satterfield's talking. And you can tell that he played a role in hiring some of the other offensive coaches too. Right. And I think he's going to help coach the coaches. Yeah. And, I, and I do think that oh, yeah, it, sure. it, it's the proper responsibilities on the proper people. The defensive side, um, it's a little different. Uh, Coach White, the new defense coordinator from Syracuse, didn't have – um, a chance to hire any of those defensive coaches, but he did bring in part of the staff that we have, this large staff. He's brought in like three different guys that are everything from grad assistants to mm. defensive analysts that have come with him from Syracuse. Okay. And so I think some of the, my guess is some of the the money saved because we know that they were, you know, they had a $7 million budget for the, yeah. for the coaching uh, staff. And it's turned out to be, I think about 5.5. It's roughly. really close to what we paid last year's staff. Yes. And so if they came in a million and a half under, but then they turn around and they hire an extra 10 or so people that are doing everything from chief of staff work to, you know, you name it, the different analysts and all that. Then, But, but does that come out of that pool? Well, it, it, it may not directly, but, you know, the point is I mean, I don't we have, we have a bigger them. staff over yeah. here. And, 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 and to me, it's like, all right, you, we got some of these guys bare minimum and we should have. I mean, like you wouldn't. Garrett McGuire might be a future star, but he hasn't yeah. done enough to earn a salary over what he's earning. And and that's fine. But if he has a really good year next year, some of these coaches have – say Raiola has a really good year next year, it still gives us room within that $7 million, $7 million pool to give these guys raises to keep them. You know, if we maxed, the, if we maxed everybody's salary out this year, I mean, like, what are you going to do from there? I suppose it goes up – I don't know, maybe the Trev gives you a little bit more each year. But, you know, it, it, it makes sense to, to leave a bit in the bank. And, and to let these guys grow. And then you won't have any big payouts well, either if you have to. And and that, lose. you know, it goes back to that initial point we talked about with, you know, if if Pete's had been a part of this uh, staff, had Mickey sure. Joseph been a part of the staff, sure. when that number was floated around at $7 million, there are reasons why you could have seen how that, that, oh, could, yeah. have, that could have come and around. It, well, and that would have been justified too. Justified with a little, more, little more experience. I, I, so, I don't have any problems with it. I just don't care that much about coaches' salaries. 
especially this time of year. But once we start losing, I'll get pissed. You know, if we start losing, I'm like, well, this guy ain't worth it. was like when, uh, what was old 450? What was that guy's uh, special team? Oh, Bruce Reed. Bruce Reed. <laughs> 450. That seemed like a lot. That seemed like a lot for him. I was just like, wow, that, that, but you know, you're living well. What's funny is that, you know, Ed Foley, he's somewhere just in that range as the special teams guy. But already within just the couple of months that he's been here, the the times the the amount of name recognition that he has built mm-hmm. up going all over the place. I mean, like it, I, by the way, also I loved when his press conference where he talked about you know right away at the first signing period, I pretty much uh, you know had what I needed. I got my transfer yeah. snapper. Uh, you know, we got our kicker uh, Tristan Alvano from mm-hmm. Omaha. I was good with recruiting, so I kind of for the next month and a half, I didn't really have a lot that I had to do there. Mm-hmm. So. To me, no one needed to tell me. I just got in the car and I just started driving. Nice. And I'm sure it was a little more strategic than that. I'm mm-hmm. sure, you know, he had some conversations with Coach Rule about right. that. I'm sure Coach Rule, for the months, you know, the month or so leading up to taking the job and the conversations he had with Trev was, this is how important it is we need to get out here and, and we need to make some inroads back in this state. Right. And so, uh, yeah, I'm sure Trev relayed that pretty hardcore. I think one other thing that Trev maybe, you know, laid, you know, pretty hardcore was that we need, to get physical. We need to yeah. get, we need to win the trenches. Yeah. We need to win on the lines of scrimmage. Yep. And that's, it starts with recruiting. Everything always does. You got to build your, your numbers up on the O line, on the D line. That's important. But man, if I was at that coach's clinic and we're going to, I know for sure I want to talk with one of the coaches that's going to be at, I know for sure I'm going to have mm-hmm. one guy on. Um, I want to know what, what practice is like. Yeah. Not, I don't care what the play is. I don't, I don't want to yeah. know that we, necessarily line up in this formation or that formation, whatever. I mean, that, the X's and O's, I can, I can study past years of, of, yeah. of Satterfield of rule and, and, and all that. And we'll watch the spring game and see a few things, but um, I want to know what, if you're going to get better at tackling, then you got to tackle. tackle. You just got to tackle. Yep. Right. I mean, this isn't, uh, we're going to be more physical. You're going to have to start gotta, being physical. Got to be more physical. If you're going to can't, it, it, will, it won't just appear on, on Saturday. If you're going to have a quarterback competition, I, you know, I'm, I'm, Blue in the face on the green jersey stuff. If you're gonna have a quarterback, con- you know, competition, then you got to compete. Yeah, you right. gotta, you gotta play football and compete. And I'm fully, by the way, moved to that side of things. To me, <clears throat> we're we're well beyond protecting players, and you know, I mean, to an extent. I'm not yeah, trying I mean, to get anybody you, you, hurt, but it's like, okay, we're playing football, so let's do football things for practice. And some of that's going to require our quarterbacks getting hit. Actually, a lot of that's going to, depending. I assume we're going to have a fairly strong quarterback running element to this offense. I think so. So let's let's see how you know thudding up won't tell us if he's going to fumble when he goes into contact. You know, some guys aren't good at that. You know, I always think of like uh, Taylor Martinez, super fast, not particularly elusive, terrible going into contact. Remember how he just jump yeah. or it just always looked. I've never seen him get more awkwardly tackled than than Taylor Martinez consistently. Adrian, better at better at going into contact, except a little loose with the ball. It was just like, all right, well, these are things we need to know. And, and mm-hmm. I don't think come season time, that's when we need to find out. You need to find out yeah. in practice. We found I know we reference this one all the time, but with Zach Taylor, we found out in that spring game or that spring practice, that dude can take a beating and he'll stand up and he'll still deliver the ball in the pocket and move the and move the ball down the field. I, I think this is a reason, and for the the listeners, if you haven't heard us say this one before, but I think it's a reason that we feel the way and as passionate as oh, we are about sure. this. Yes, it's probably because we were one of about 250, 300 people in the stadium back in two thousand five 
at what I consider the height of the the Cal, probably For the sure. best day of the Callahan era. Oh. We watched a, a two hour two hundred play scrimmage with massive. with no green jerseys on, and Zach we were Taylor like field level too. Oh my! Well, there was no. I mean, yeah, it was a smaller clinic because that that was happening at that time, and um, we walk into that scrimmage and Joe Daly is the starter, and mm-hmm. two hundred plays later, Zach Taylor is the starter. Yeah. Yeah. And Zach Taylor took hits from Adam Carricker and Jay Moore yeah. and McKeven Smith and Tyus Adams and, and Stuart Bradley took hits, real football he hits. He was beat down that day. Like, but They beat him up. But you, what, what they learned about Zach Taylor in the process was that every time he got beat down on a play, he would get back up, he yep. would call a play in the huddle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, that's, that's saying something back in the, the West Coast era of, the yeah. plays were 52 words long. He had to, <laughs> he spit out the whole play and everyone got lined up and he'd complete a 10-yard a out the next play and he just it looked like real football. Right. There were refs on the field and right. and he was moving the ball better than we had seen the entire prior year with yeah. Daly. And you will never learn that about a guy right. if you don't do that. Right. It because by the time we got to the spring game, they didn't do that with Zach mm-hmm. at that point. Um, and so that one scrimmage, I mean that. That, that and that's a, I give all the credit to Callahan. I mean, that was a tough move for him mm-hmm. to probably do. He he risked his quarterbacks, but he just I think he felt that that's what he had to do. When we watched the one, because I remember being at the coach's clinic for Taylor Martinez too, and I there was a scrimmage they were doing, and I kept you and I both mentioned like, man, this dude is fast. But like he'll take off, and he's just ten yards down the field before anyone even realizes it. But did they have jerseys on? Did they have green jerseys on for that? I can't remember. I, I, I want to say they did. I don't remember him. Yeah, he must have. Maybe it was Thud because what was it like Zach Lee at the time, and then him? Yeah, you know, thinking talking about Thud. What's the the famous one? Um, who's the running back? Kenny, Kenny Wilson. Wilson. Yeah. Oh my God! That there was all this. You know, you want to hear about people, you know, drinking Kool Aid or whatever. Yeah. But the reports that came out of this. This was like in 2005 yeah. or whatever. This unbelievable yeah. run that you know Kenny Wilson broke like 10 tackles and did yeah. all this stuff, and we finally got to see the, yeah. the like the replay or some video of it, and it was no pads. Yeah, on. they were in shells. It was just half pads. I'm like, what? Yeah, he just. I don't even kind, know if he, the guys gave up that were trying to tackle him because it was stud. I'm like, it was kind of a cool run. Yeah, it, but to hear it described versus seeing it was a big disappointment. I think that was something that changed your and my opinion too at times. Is that we would go to these. Yeah. We've we've been to countless practices going to those clinics, and so we'd be at the same practice that, you know, so, you know, uh, maybe a sports writer might mm-hmm. be at or whatever. And sometimes, you know, you know, which reporters that they mm-hmm. they re- they say it the same way we saw it, and then there's other ones that will, yeah. uh, you know, embellish something Quite a, bit. a certain yeah. way, and you're like, no, that's not what I saw yeah, at all. It's like, what did I? Maybe I missed that. And like, I talked to you, I'm like, no, I didn't see that. I'm like, okay, <laughs> so, all right, well. And it's it's whatever. I get it. If you got to produce content, you got to produce content. We just it, and we weren't doing podcasts at the time or anything like that. But uh-huh. it just it just I found it irritating because I'm like, this is the kind of shit that gets me excited for stuff I shouldn't be excited about because you're misleading me. You know. Well, very. I mean, we've been wrong a thousand times on. I this mean, show. Kenny Wilson broke his leg on a TV. <laughs> <laughs> We we've been wrong a thousand times on this show over the course of the year. Oh right? yeah, I mean, mostly wrong. Yeah, yeah, mostly wrong, right? And very rarely am I so confident in what I'm saying. Like you know, bet on this. This is going to happen. I can remember walking out of that that scrimmage though, and calling my uncle afterwards and saying that Zach Taylor guy. You may not know who he is because mm-hmm. Harrison Beck's going to be the starter. Right, right, yeah, you know, yeah. everyone knew the thrill Harrison, God. Harrison Beck was going to be it. But um, 
But I was like, this Zach Taylor guy's starting. Yeah. I mean, like, you just knew it. It was instantly after that one scrimmage. And so I don't know that we have a Zach Taylor um, kind of moment coming up here. I, I don't know. But what I am interested in, well, what I do want to about Casey being hurt is yeah. we definitely won't have that for the spring. And that's a bummer, too. Well, not with him. But I, I we've got six scholarship guys at quarterback. Yeah. Five other, you know, Casey's going to be out with the injury. Um, but the other five, man, I just, I want to see them all get a chance. If nothing else, I almost, to me personally, I almost feel like it's a disservice to like, I, I really love what Logan Smothers has done here. Just, okay. I'm singling him out. I think he's been, you know, he's been tough nosed. He, he's kind of quit all those things. I don't mind Logan. And, and I would love to just see him have a shot to go and play football. I was just going to ask and, you, who, who do you think? Cause Sims is going to get, if Sims is healthy and I think mm-hmm. he's supposed to be sure. I, I foresee him getting the lion's share of the snaps with the ones to begin with. Maybe I'm wrong, but the way they talk about him and what he was recruited to do, I feel like he'll get the ones. Who do you think gets the second? Who do you think is number two in the, with the quarterbacks this spring? Do you think it'll be Logan? or do you th- if, if all things are even with health, mm-hmm. I would say I would think it would be Logan. Um, Any chance like now, Har- know- Harbor gets – you know, starts to develop and become something different. He, he's a big physical he, kid. He's with a, a big, strong arm. He's, he's a big mobile. dude. He could be a kid that you know. I think it was Whipple wanted him to play tight end, and and that's size a bad was, sign for a quarterback. <laughs> when does that ever work? It's kind of like, <laughs> kind of like when Dan Kendra at Florida State <laughs> right, got moved to right. fullback. Right? Well, who was the um, who was the uh, the Texas quarterback we were, Bo, uh, oh, recruited? Um, oh, and then went down to uh, I don't even know where he ended up going, but. No, I know he was a tight end. He was like some Swedish kid that was going to be like nobody recruited him at quarterback except us. Everybody else wanted him as a tight end. Yeah. And then there was that cat from Lincoln Christian that was supposed to be a quarterback and then went down to Arizona State and became a tight yeah, end. Bo- Bubak or something. Bubak. Yeah, that's right. Um, the one that uh, I'm interested in is Torres. I mean, just because we've, we've heard a lot about him. And I've, I've went back and watched more of his film, and he is mobile. Is he, can, he can move around. You know, we sometimes, uh, and I'm guilty of this, but we, we use the word mobile and sometimes that means we're going to run the ball with that quarterback. And I don't necessarily mean that either. Um, Casey's a mobile quarterback mm. and should have been used a lot more or his mobility should have been used a lot more last year. Yeah. doesn't mean he should have ran the ball a lot more. Right. It just means that we should have rolled the pocket oh, more, sure. got him out, yeah. not just sat flat footed in a pocket. Yeah. And uh, that, that's, that was our argument two years ago all the time with Adrian was we love the runner that Adrian is. Stop running him yeah. 25 times a game. You know, there's <laughs> yeah. the, you know, we wanted a running back to be the leading runner. I want to see an offense that has some two back at times, nice. you know, on the field, in addition to that quarterback, and where they all still can can have the ability on mm-hmm. a play to run the ball. I mean, that gives the defense a lot to to look at. Um, here's a question, Philly Mac. Uh, should we expect to go through growing pains this season with all the new coaches and new systems on both sides of the ball? I would. I mean, but I would say they could be mitigated a fair amount by just the the effort this team. I, I've been the coaches have said a lot of good things with how hard this team works, and and that's something that's carried over. Even Bill Bush was very big on how hard this team worked. Mickey Joseph said the same thing. But I just don't see any way of not going through some growing pains. But I just don't know what to expect anymore from from this team. Like I, I feel like there's a potential if they're playing well and, and, and as a cohesive unit that we're pretty good. Like we come out of the gate and win some games that maybe people weren't predicting that Minnesota game is going to tell us a lot. Yeah. That's huge. You know, um, so, but do I expect it? Yeah. I won't be surprised by growing pains at all. I'd be more surprised if we didn't have any, 
but maybe that's just me being a doubter on on this staff. But that's just, I mean, I don't know how I could be more optimistic without sounding ridiculous. Well, Coach Rule said that, you know, he, on the busing with the boys, he talked about not being a slow burn or as slow of a burn. Now, let's put that in perspective. He was referencing what happened at, at Temple, what happened mm-hmm. at Baylor. Mm-hmm. Totally different situations, scenarios than what he's taking over here. He didn't have – I mean, at Baylor, he had a, a roster of 45 when right. he took over. Yeah. Right now, we have a roster of 130 yeah. or whatever it is right now. Difference. Significantly different um, situation. I think he's ecstatic with the situation yeah. that he stepped into, to be quite honest with you, from a numbers and support standpoint. Yep. Um, but with all that said, I mean, there's there's a lot of things that, uh, you know, a slow burn or saying that I don't think it will be a slow burn still could be getting to six wins and getting to, a yeah. you know, yeah. going to a bowl game in year one. Um, I, I like to reference – Nick Saban took over a mess mm-hmm. at Alabama and he was six and six at the end of his first year, yeah. won the bowl game and they went seven and six, you know, uh, Bob Stoops took over a mess at Oklahoma. And in that first year they went seven and five. And by the way, those records in both cases at, at Alabama then and, and at Oklahoma were, you know, I'm sure people weren't doing handstands and cartwheels, mm-hmm. but, but it was met with a, a positive that was progress mm-hmm. as based off of what was going on prior at those schools. And I would say right now, if we went six and six next year, and this is just the way I fan, so you know, don't be, don't <laughs> like beat that. me up too much here. Fan. I I'm not going to be doing cartwheels if we go six and six next year. I will be ecstatic that we're in a bowl game again and that we ended that sure. horrible, you know, bowl yeah. streak. Right. Don't get me wrong, but I, I'm sorry. I mean, I just, I guess my my six is such a low number. I'm, I'm just not. It just is. It's not going to excite me. It also, but I also am going to understand that it means progress for sure. Like and, and that yeah. and that. You know, it's a means to get to the next step. Right. Uh, my entire offseason, I'm, I'm saying, is is the the race to six, mm-hmm. and the race to six means how quick can you get to six games and mm-hmm. you know six wins? Can we get there in week six or seven or eight? How amazing ah, would that be? That's a- or you know, the worst case scenario is we're hosting Iowa in week <laughs> yeah. twelve and we're five and six, and you know what? Get to six. Get yeah. to six. One way or the other, get to six. No matter what, get to six. I think it's really important to get but- to six. But I'm with you. If we get to six, it's 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 hard to imagine being super thrilled about six wins. It, it, maybe you could be, and I know I I know how ridiculous that sounds based off of how our mm-hmm. our most recent success, which has been none. But I don't think we had. I, I thought we had a six, uh, bowl game team or a team talented enough to go to a bowl the last a couple years, really. For sure, uh, every year we've had a team talent enough You're to go to the bowl. Right. There's been single. So we haven't had a team that wasn't talented enough any of the years. So yeah, I mean, now that, <laughs> looking know? back at that growing pains, I'm like, I don't even know how that looked different. I'm like, what? <laughs> Frost's whole career was growing pains. I, I don't like. We were, like, when was it right? It was all like seemingly hard well, to figure out. Were we worse a year ago than we were at the end of the Callahan era? Where we went five and six last year, we go four and eight. Um, that Callahan era, uh, you know, we we could have lost more games that last season. We we should have lost to Ball State, you know, and that would have guy dropped a touchdown a pass. Question. That would have so we, we really could have been you know four and seven or four and eight. I guess mm-hmm. that last year of, of Callahan, we could have been just the same. And so the point is, what Bo Pelini stepped into it, taking over, mm-hmm. how different is that versus what Coach Rule is taking over? Um, I, I'm just curious there. And I think the athletic director actually can help play a big role in the transition, especially if the athletic director has a good understanding of the situation right. and, and has ability to help. In 2008, Coach Osborne was in a position where he, you know, 
he was helping his young head coach out when right. he was like, I, I think you should probably keep around a couple of these offensive coaches, right. um, you know, Sean Watson, keep around your, your recruiting coordinator, Ted Gilmore, keep those guys around. Cause if you focus on the defense, I think that's going to be your quickest way to, to yeah. kind of start getting some wins and let the offense kind of keep building. Right. Um, right now, I think Trev, without getting into X's and O's, I don't think Trev is telling him, Hey, you need to run this set or that mm-hmm. set. But I think Trev has definitely been playing a, a big role in the background of mm-hmm. doing the right things, whether it is going out to the coaches and, and seeing the in-state guys or, or, you know, we need to make sure that there's a kid up there in Gretna that we haven't you know right. said hi to yet. Right. And, and however that, that gets going, however those conversations and, and everything get going, you know, sending a coach to go and, and see Sam Fultz's parents. Yeah. I mean that that is a that's a that's a little thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's a little mm-hmm. gesture to take it back to the very beginning. That's a little gesture that um, it would have been real easy not to do it. And, but somebody's telling him that that's that's not Coach Rule just knowing that every he history. couldn't know that. Yeah, there's certain that's, things he just can't know right. the history of every little thing right. like that. And whether it was Trev or or who told him to do that, it's that there's people getting in these guys' ears about mm-hmm. what's important in in Nebraska football, and they're doing it. And, and they're doing, and they're, it. And, they're, they're, and I don't, I don't feel like they're going out of their way either to uh, publicize it, which I kind of like too. They're just going, and you're hearing about it, yeah. You know, but um, going back to that growing pains question, I mean, we're probably going to have a new offense. You know, well, we're going to have a new offense. We're going to definitely going to have a new defense. What do you think will come online faster? Because I, if it's Casey's the starter. I really actually trust Casey a lot to, to, to have be on his P's and Q's and mm-hmm. have an offense down pretty quick. And, and our offensive line, I feel like, has had to adapt so much that it, I don't know that I'm a little worried about the defense coming online quick because I feel like there's going to be some position shuffling there a little bit to get guys in the right spot and to see how this kind of – if we're going to do the 3-3-5. Three, three, and I'm not trying to get hung up on the formation or anything, sure. but it just seems like that that might be difficult to – to parse out who who's best suited for what position and, and how to get rolling on that. Like, what, what are your thoughts on that? I think from a pure talent standpoint, what we have coming back on offense at all these different skill positions. I mean, you've got two P five starting quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, Thompson at, at Texas prior to last season, then you have Sims coming from Georgia tech, um, you know, to even have Logan Smothers who has started, you know, mm-hmm. against Iowa a yeah. year ago. I mean, and, and Purdy has started a game at Florida nice. State for Christ's sakes. I mean, Purdy, um, I just that Purdy. position. But then you have the running back position where nobody's left. And yeah. and we were concerned a couple months ago that all of them would leave. Yeah. You know, AJ Allen is gone and and yeah. you know, we're gonna lose Grant and all that. No, none of them. They they've all come back yeah. at least at least for spring, and we'll see what happens right. through spring. Let it this is the toughest time of year and they've got to make it through it. But right. uh We'll see who, who makes it through it, right? The wide receiving core, the talent that is in that room right mm-hmm. now, the depth that's in that room. The depth, for The sure. tight end spot. Yeah. You know, if we can get a healthy uh, uh, Fedoni. Fedoni to go along with, obviously, Gilbert coming mm-hmm. in from, from Georgia and still having, you know, Chris Hickman and yeah. and having some of the young guys, Carney and stuff. I mean, that's that's a good room there. Then it falls onto the O-line. Yeah. And I'm, I thought the way that the O-line was playing by the end of last year – you know, against Iowa, they played their best game, mm-hmm. and they didn't have Ben Scott, who who is most likely going to be the starting center. Right. They didn't have Nuuli, who's probably going right. to be one of the starting guards. They didn't have Prohaska, who, if he can be healthy, um, is probably going to be a starting tackle. Yep. And so, you know, there's some depth there. We have the the coach of that group back for yeah. for another season. 
Um, definitely the style of coaching that he coaches on the O-line, something that Frost talked about all last season, mm-hmm. was he liked the style that, that Rayola brought in. But then we pretty much never probably got to see that as we saw Whipple's offense for the whole year. Then you get Rule coming in here, and, and his explanation for why he kept Rayola was he coaches the kind of blocking that I want to see our team do. So I, I just think you're going to see things on that side of the ball marry well. Right. And I think that we're going to see an offense that can be – that can be explosive, that can run the ball when it needs to run the ball, yep. that can play in the climactic conditions and do all that well. And uh, and that I, I think offensively we're going to see you know a, a very good unit. I think it's going to be a real good unit this year. I think that's a I think that's a great point because there does there does seem to be a real unified message on the offensive side of the ball with with the staff. You know that the language is similar. You know they're all they're all of a very similar mindset on, on what we're going to do. That's probably going to make it a lot easier to to convey that. And I think that was one of the problems of last year was it was so disjointed. Like your offensive lineman clearly had issues with the play caller, yeah. or not the offensive lineman, but the offensive line coach, coach had problems with the play calling. And like that kind of that's a big issue. I'm, I remember Tenerper talking about how that was a problem when when Tom first left. That mm-hmm. we're we're game planning things that we can't block and. And you should know better, but you don't, and it's becoming a problem. Well, I don't think that will be a problem. I hope that's not a problem, but I, I feel like that if that's something that's going to be addressed right away. I mean, that is probably why they kept Raiola, um, Satterfield, Ruler on the same page. They're going to communicate with each other what they want to do. That's going to help the O-line be better. Just being better with that level there, who knows, what, who knows how much that will result in better play. You know, just more confidence in what I'm doing and where I'm going and where my help is, and who knows what that could translate to. So I, I'm kind of with you. The and I'm not totally scared on what the defense is going to do, but if you if you look at our roster, you look at the experience, you look at the the returning production, it's it's pretty encouraging. I, and it, it's not a huge stretch to think that offense could come back and and do just as well as they did last year, if not better, hopefully better mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Yeah, Jason Singer says, I think the defense will have hiccups. The talent is there on both sides. If everyone in offense studies like Casey, the offense will be firing right out of the yeah, gate. I, agree I, I certainly agree with that. And I do. Th- if, I, if I'm answering the question, offense versus defense, I would say that the offense, I could see it having more success early. We'll see with the defense. It's, right. And I think uh, there's some parts that they can work with on the defense. Um, yeah. I think you're going to need to see a couple transfers step into some roles yeah. too, or at least some guys that haven't haven't had a lot of the play time yet. So j- somewhere between you know on the edge between Javari Butler, Blaze Gunnerson, mm-hmm. Chief Borders, now uh, the the Georgia uh, uh, the Georgia transfer, and of course I'm forgetting that his name now too. But anyways, between all those guys, I mean those are guys that did, haven't played here. Right a lot of snaps yet. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I like Judy, the transfer from Texas yeah. A&M on the D-line. But, again, it's just we're mentioning one more guy that hasn't played her yet. Mm-hmm. But the, the difference, I will say, from a year ago to now, we're not talking about guys at least yet. And, I, and I'll call this out if we run into this over the summer. We're not talking about guys that, that we're going to be depending on that aren't here yet. Right. So last year when we were waiting on O'Shawn to get her in July, yeah, MJ Sherman, uh, Jason, thank you. Uh, but we were waiting on – uh, Jason's on the ball. Man. Yeah. Well, we were waiting on Oshan, you know, until June, mm-hmm. July. Uh, that Devin Drew didn't get here until August yeah. and on the D line, the transfer from Texas uh, yeah. Tech, you know, and and, uh, and the the defensive tackle from uh, Alabama last year. Win. Yeah. That? Yeah. Stephen Win. He didn't get here until the summer. And all those guys, we were counting on those guys mm-hmm. right away. So 
at the very That's least, scary. it is a step up that when we talk about that roster of 100 plus guys, those guys are most of they're pretty much here. Yeah. And so, and the, and the one other uh, area that the special teams, I mean, I'm really pleased right now with where we're at there. Bushimi, I, I love the guy at, yeah. as a punter. I mean, that's the best. This is the best I have felt at punter since we had Fultz. Sure. And at kicker, you know, to to have the returning kicker, but then also to have um, yeah. Alvano coming in here as well. Um, yeah, you know, that's going to be a competition. They've got the deep snap, deep snapper coming in from Florida. Uh, you know, so there's just – and I, I, the guy I'm really interested in there too is Kemp, the transfer from uh, Virginia, the receiver as a punt oh, returner, returner. As yeah. a punt returner, if we start to get any kind of returns going, kick kickoff or punt return, if we can start to flip the fields. Yeah. If special teams can help us out there, it just everything plays a role with the you know helping the offense out, helping the defense out. So well, you know, com- they, you hear the term complimentary football a lot, and mm-hmm. you know a lot of these things get said over and over again, but they're important. And the more you can you can do that, the, it just shows you're a better team. Now, but to me, complimentary football is just saying we're a really good team. Like we understand how this how to help out the defense and the special teams mm-hmm. understands how to help. And I think good teams just do that. And that clearly wasn't something we have done the last few years. Like we, you could tell by that fundamental alone, we weren't a good team because you couldn't count on any momentum flowing from one group to the next. It just didn't seem to matter. Mm-hmm. I would love for that kind of stuff to go away. I'm really tired of that stuff. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Well, you know, I think we're a complimentary podcast, Mac. Because, you. Uh, you know, we weren't we weren't planning to do a show tonight. Uh, this, is, this is actually exactly what Matt's Rule is all about. There's, yeah. It, you're not going to get a lot of... Uh, Content. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're not going to give you a lot of prep time. Oh, sometimes, yeah. <laughs> sometimes it's like, it, you know, we've had three beers and it's like, no, we're, yeah. just, we're just going live. But I think we compliment each other here. We yeah. don't... We've gone for an over an hour now, and holy shit, we had no idea what the heck we were going to be talking That's about. Not so. too bad. Yeah, I really didn't. I was like, well, we're gonna, yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Go ahead and talk. I mean, I did want to talk about football anyway. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I want to really touch on. I'm, I am, ex- I would like to see them drop some more videos just because I've just kind of been a little thirsty. Not, not that it's going to change my view or anything, but I just like to see, <laughs> I like to see. I'd like to see the running backs. I'd like to see how they're moving. I'd like, I just want to see how they're looking. AJ yeah. Allen now with another year. They're he's a, it's always the freshman to the sophomore that I'm the most curious about. And, and you know, if, if you see them going in the right direction yeah, or yeah, not, yeah. sometimes you see the, the great development that that happens, or sometimes you see that, you know, Adrian Martinez came back yeah. his sophomore year and he had some of the, some of the thickness on him. I think yeah. you go way back in the day. I think like Amon Green oh, yeah. lost some of that speed. And, yep. You know, too much creatine. Yeah. <laughs> it was a new product back in, in the nineties. Didn't, didn't know it as well then, but um, but yeah, and that's one of the things I I, uh, I miss about the coaches' clinics too. And I'll, um, you know, I, I want to focus a lot on the on the focus focus a lot on the coaches' clinic this year. Yeah. Um, with a couple of the contacts I have and stuff is is I just want to want to know how they're doing things mm-hmm. from from a practice standpoint. Like how are they running stuff? 
I think that's that's a good insight into things. And then what I always loved about the clinics too is you got to see the players yeah. after this eight week period, right? And, you know, and right. and who looks like they've put in the work and who looks like they've done what they need to do, whether that's gain weight or lose weight. I'll make one last comparison to to the 08 season, Pelini's first year is when you have a big transition and you have a new strength and conditioning staff and new coaches, new eyeballs on you. Sometimes you you, you switch positions. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I'm going to be talking with Cody Glenn next week. He was, was a yeah. high back here and ended up as a linebacker and went to the pros as a linebacker. You see some guys making position changes on the same line of, scrim- line of scrimmage and yep. sometimes you switch sides of the ball even, right? But the other thing is, the new strength and conditioning staffs can can see things sometimes in a player that maybe they didn't before. Right. And, I, and I always like to reference that last game of 2007. We lose to Colorado on the road 60-something to 50-something. Mm-hmm. We, we don't win the game and we score 50 points. Okay? <laughs> so what a lousy, terrible defense and what a bunch of bums on that side of the ball. They're all terrible. I don't mm-hmm. know where those players are today. Mm-hmm. Well, one of them was in Dominican Sioux. <laughs> and one of them was, you know, Philip Dillard. Right. And these guys looked very different at, mm-hmm. at the end of 2007. Yeah. They they looked slower. They were bigger at what they were trying to do schematically with, with Dillard. Never yep. made sense. They got him up to like 270 and God. played middle, middle guard with him. But, um, you know, just a new staff comes in and says, we need to change that up. I remember – uh, the the strength coach at that time talking about Dobson. He talked about yeah. the defensive backs and said they're stiff in the hips. And mm-hmm. he, he was talking. He was saying that in January. Mm-hmm. And they spent all offseason working on the the stiffness of the hips and getting them getting them to spin yep. around quicker and everything. And and those are guys like the young Eric Hags and Prince Makamaras. So what does this staff? What does it do different? Right. Not that the not that the previous staff was doing it wrong. It's just what does this staff do different, and and do we see some different outcomes? You know, with some players. It, I mean, that's what you hope for. It, it just it's funny to me that there's strength and conditioning at at this point. It has to be such a science that everybody sort of shares. It's weird that one but, could come in and but it's it's very it does vary. It, it's interesting how different some yeah. are. Some are you know uh, they always said with with Duvall, and this is. To any of the players I talked to postseason mm-hmm. about Duvall, none of them said anything bad about him. Mm-hmm. They're like, he got us strong. Mm-hmm. There was no doubt about that. We were strong. Mm-hmm. We could we could move a mountain, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I always think back to conversation I had with with Rob Zaska last year, and it was especially on the the line of scrimmage, mm-hmm. low man wins. Yeah. Anyone that watches the, the the Eagles this this whole season and yeah. the playoffs, they they get down to the to the you know quarterback sneaks, mm-hmm. and it was all about who could get the lowest, yep. right? And some of that's going to be – It's not. that's not about who's the strongest guy wins. No. It's the low guy and, and who can move people, who can get it's under technique, people. Technique, it's fundamentals. Technique, it's all basics, those. It's, 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 it's what makes good teams good teams. Yep. And, and that's where we're going to be. Talent-wise, if we're, if we're playing like a good team, we're going to be a good team. We have the talent to be a good yeah. team. Like if Kansas State plays to a certain level, they'll go a, a certain length. That's not the same for us. I feel like we would we – would, we really could exceed a lot of the expectations just by playing really, really good. They're just well, even I, I, I'd settle for well. I, if we played well all year, I wonder what that would look like. If we played that's well, more than yeah. six, I, I guarantee it's more than six wins. If we play well and we don't shoot ourselves in the foot, yeah, and and, and we're good at the basics, yeah, you know, nothing crazy, yeah. Forget the little things, the basics. Yeah. We do the basics well, um, and that's the thing. That's what you can be doing right now in spring ball. Yep. That's what you can be doing this off season yep. already. You can be focusing on the basics, and the basics of football are the same from year to year. They, they mm-hmm. were the same 30 years ago as they are today. Mm-hmm. Snap the ball to the quarterback. 
We yeah. had issues with that the last <laughs> yeah. four years. Tackle the, the guy running the ball. We mm-hmm. had issues with tackling. Yep. Line up right. Get the right alignment. You know, line up defensively correctly. Right. Tur- you know, limit your turnovers. I mean, these are not the – Kick li- the ball in the right direction. Yeah, kick the ball in the right direction when you're playing at Michigan State. Right. Make the field goals that are 35 yards yeah. like we missed against Oklahoma two years ago. All those yep. things. And I mean, we could go through it. Countless numbers of these issues. These were not little things. These are basics. Yep. Do the basics well. And if you do that, I, I can, here's the thing I'll promise you. If you if you do the basics well, if you're good at special teams on week one, you're going to win more week ones than you lose. Mm-hmm. And and when you think back to the last two years where we've lost a game before September even turned on the calendar, mm-hmm. it was usually things like onside kicks when you're up 11 <laughs> or punts that you're catching, yeah. fielding in the end zone, throwing out, out of it for safety, or it was penalties that killed you at times like we had against Illinois. I mean – if you can play good, clean football, mm-hmm. it, you don't have to have a playbook that's this thick in, no. in week one. What you need to do is play good, clean football, right. not make those big mistakes, do the basics well, and you're going to – as long as you, you don't have some crazy talent differential, which we absolutely – we, we should we should have the talent uh, – We should I mean, we should have the talent advantage against the first two teams we play, even though both yeah. of them are on the road, Minnesota yeah. and no, Colorado. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I think Whipple maybe even said it last year, is like first games – are more often lost awesome than one. they are won, and meaning that it's by your own fault that you lose the game, as opposed to just yeah, how, actually well, how they win or lost. But yeah, it, it's crazy. We we focus so much on records as we should. Mm-hmm. Records are determining how good and bad you are. But man, we were up double digits in the fourth quarter against Wisconsin. We were up double digits at halftime against Minnesota. We were up double digits in the third quarter against Northwestern. Uh, you know, we had we lost to Georgia Southern for Christ's sakes. I mean, you know that. The concept that uh, you know we 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 were what we were. Mm-hmm. We deserved the record that we got, but yep. um, you do the basics right, and I think uh, I think the race to six is going to happen, and, and hopefully even sooner than uh, than we yep. ten, eleven, or twelve. I'm ready to turn the corner for sure. Well, let's turn the corner on this one, Mac. Let's get to our uh, our parting shots. What do you got? Um. <laughs> well, this is such an impromptu. I didn't really have a parting shot per se. No, I don't have to. I'm sorry. <laughs> Everybody, stay safe. Uh, spade and neuter your animals. I don't know. That's a Bob Barker one, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I'm out. I'm sorry. I, I wrote down two things for of me. Of course you and, did. Well, no, we started off talking about basketball. Okay. And again, sell out uh, the next two games here at PBA fans. Let's get there. Yes. This team can get above 500 on the season if they win the next two home games against Maryland and, and Minnesota. Those are winnable games. They're losable games. Let's let's win them. Let's get above five hundred. This is the and, race uh, to the NIT. The race to the the race to the postseason. That's that's how uh, the remainder of this season is. So, um, bat, we started with basketball, of course, because we're the mats. We focus ninety nine percent of it on mm-hmm. football. Um, I do want to mention ba- baseball starts this weekend, so that's, that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. So now we're going to start, hopefully start getting into into some of that. And then, last but not least, Friday night, uh, watch CBS News. Okay. Um, the the very end, it, there's the Steve Hartman always does on the road. And by the way, every time I watch one of those ones from him, I always cry because it's like the best. It's the last five minutes of the Friday CBS news, and and they're just heartwarming stories. Well, this week he's doing it on Malachi Coleman. Oh, and the amazing story that Malachi uh, has, uh, you know, from from his childhood and, and being adopted, and 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 what he's doing with his NIL money and giving that to kids oh, and wow. foster. I mean, it's. I don't even want to give it away because I want to watch it and just enjoy it. He so seems, he seems like a good kid. 
So my DVR is set. Set yours, Redcasters out there. Uh, enjoy that. But uh, other than that, Mac, you got anything else? I got nothing. All right. Well, until we see you next time, whenever the heck that's going to be, this has been another Match Rule. Heard at Sports Network Production.